So if you brought a Bible this morning, turn with me to Matthew chapter 20. We're going to read through this story here in just a moment. <clears throat> so yesterday morning, I had a two-hour window to get outside and work in my lawn. See, I, I, I live on a gravel road, and every time the snowplow goes past, he throws these stones up in my grass. And so every spring, I got to rake those stones back out in the road because I, I don't want them accumulating. So I had a two-hour window to get out and rake those stones because I've, I've learned if you wait till the grass starts growing, it's twice as much work. So I want to get on it early. And uh, I got out there and worked for about a half hour. Like I say, I had a two-hour window. It worked a half hour, and the phone rang, and it was my son, Adam. Now, Adam is in Florida on vacation with his family. And so I figured, I better take this. And I took it, and he was... He's got, at his home, he's got one of these thermostats that runs through his phone. And he called me to say that they had their thermostat set down on 60, but it said it was 54 in the house and falling. Would I go check on his house? So I thought, well, if I hurry, I can get over there and check it all out. So I got over there, checked everything out. Nita went with me, and we uh, couldn't find anything wrong. I shut the power switch off, turned it back on, and started right up. And I waited to make sure it was throwing heat out, and it was. Everything seemed to be fine. So I thought, I don't want to call a repairman in on a Saturday when everything seems to be working fine. So I hustled back home, and I was in a hurry. I really sent, I only got two hours, and I just lost a half hour here. I really got to hustle. And Anita said, could we stop at the church? Because I, I have something I have to do at the church on the way home. She said, it'll just take two or three minutes. Now, all of us guys know what two or three minutes means. <laughs> so I waited and waited, and finally she came out and went home, and I looked at my watch. I had 10 minutes left, and I thought, I might as well just stay in and get some lunch. And then I, I thought to myself, well, that was, a, that was a bunch of nothing. What was that all about, God? And I felt the Lord say, I wanted you to be aware of what urgency was. Because to, and then I realized, okay, now I'm preparing this message on urgency in the kingdom. Now I understand what God is saying. We need to understand when we read the Bible that God is trying to speak to our spirits, and he does it in unique ways. And the same scripture will say one thing to you and a different thing to me because God wants to speak to our hearts. So we look for parables. We look for word stories. We look for, for scriptures that have a deeper meaning than the surface. So we're going to read this story about the kingdom Jesus is saying, the kingdom of heaven on this earth is like this. And he draws us a word picture. So what we want to do is analyze the word picture. What is he trying to say in spiritual terms? So let's, let's read through this, starting in verse 1. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day, and sent them into his vineyard. About nine in the morning, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard, and I'll pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about noon and about three in the afternoon and did the same thing. 
About five in the afternoon, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, why have you been standing here all day doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius. So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and get, you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, I'm not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who is hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. Fascinating story that just drives labor unions crazy. I want us to see four parts to the story here. Uh, five, excuse me, I added one. Here's the first part. It's the call. In front of you, you should have a fill-in-the-blank outline if you write that word down, the call. I want us to reflect a minute about the call that's going here, going out. God has been calling laborers to work in his vineyard for a very long time. For centuries, as a matter of fact, he's been reaching out to ordinary people to work for him in his vineyard. He's still doing it today. He did it in the first hour, and he's going to do it right up to the end. I believe this morning he's calling workers into his vineyard, laborers in his harvest field. So it says he went out. I love that terminology because it says to me that God goes looking for the laborers. He's not waiting for somebody to say, you know, I think, I think I would like to be a minister. I think I would like to serve God with my life. He's not waiting for people to do that. He goes out after them. He's looking for people who are where they are in the marketplace. He goes to the marketplace to find workers in his field. I believe he's still doing that today. He's going into the workplaces. He's going into the offices. He's going into the shops and recruiting laborers in his vineyard. Now, we miss something. Those of us that live in the 21st century and the way we value time, uh, we miss something here. We have to understand that in Jesus' day, a work day started when the sun came up. And the work day ended when the sun went down. That's a long day. 12 hours. 6 to 6. So when it says 5 o'clock in the afternoon, we miss the importance of this. 
what he's, the King James Version translates it much better, that gives it the meaning. He says, in the 11th hour, in the 11th hour, he went out to recruit more. That's significant because I believe we are living in the 11th hour of the church. I believe Jesus is coming back, and he's going to come back soon. I believe the clock is just about at the midnight hour. In the 11th hour, he's going out. In other words, there's an urgency. You see, with a vineyard, the farmer works all through the spring pruning back the vines just the way he wants them. And the rest of the way, the rest of the time through the spring, through the summer, those vines grow out. They bear fruit on the end we call grapes, clusters of grapes. Oh, he goes out and waters them, and he goes out and fertilizes them, but it's God that makes the grapes grow. So these clusters of grapes are forming all over the vine. And then there comes a time that's called the harvest season. And with grapes, you don't want to harvest them too soon because they're bitter and sour. And you can't wait till too late because now they're rotting. You want, till they, you want to wait till they get just right. Sweet, juicy grapes. When the harvest season begins, you've got a nar very narrow window of time to get the harvest in. And it's all hands on deck. Now, with one or two exceptions, I think every one of us in this room that is still working works for someone else. You work for a team, a company. You, you work with an organization. And those of us that are retired, when we did work, it was for somebody else. You see, we get a job at a place. But back in that day, there was an occupation called day laborer. That continued in our society right up to about World War II. You can go back in the census records in the 1920s and 1930s, and you find people whose occupation was a day laborer. What that meant was they didn't have a steady place to work. So they went down to the marketplace, the general store, the town commons, and they would sit there together, and you know what they did. They they talked about the good old days. They, they talked about uh, Cousin Charlie. They, they talked about uh, the fire last week. They talked about common things, same kind of things we talk about, but we're usually too busy to stop and talk to somebody. But these, these folks just came together and sat there because they were waiting for somebody to hire them. They were day labor. You only, got, you only worked one day. You might not come back to work the next day or go to work for somebody else the next day. It was a day laborer. So if a farmer needed extra help this week, he'd go get workers. He might not need them next week. He wasn't locked into paying somebody that wasn't producing for him. If he had a wagon load of freight to unload, he could go down and get the strongest looking day laborer and hire him. Nobody was locked in to one particular worker. That's the way it was in Jesus' day. And the landowner goes to where the people are hanging out and he recruits as many workers as he can get to go work in his field. But this is harvest season. And we've got to get these grapes in now. They won't keep. We've got to get them in. 
And so he gets as many people as he can. And there's an urgency, a sense of urgency. We have to hurry. So he goes, he goes back out about 9 o'clock, goes back out about noon, goes back out about 3, goes back out about 5. And he keeps recruiting more people all along the way. God's still doing that, you know. Amen. Going to the marketplace, recruiting men, recruiting women, recruiting old folks, recruiting young folks, and everything in between. Because this is harvest season. It's the 11th hour. We don't have time to wait. We can't sit around and talk about things that don't have anything to do with the harvest. The harvest is priority. Remember, the landowner here represents God. And we're not talking about grapes in a, a vineyard. We're talking about souls that are destined to be thrown into the fire in hell. Someone's got to go into the harvest field and rescue them. This is the 11th hour. Judgment is almost here. The landowner, God, is recruiting workers. Who will go? Who will work in the vineyard? It's an urgency. It's like the, the, the shepherd that had 99 sheep. That's pretty successful. He's got his hands full corralling 99 sheep. But he discovers he's got one missing. And he goes into panic mode because that one sheep isn't protected. It's out there somewhere vulnerable to whatever danger. So he's willing to leave the 99 in a safe place. And he goes out with a sense of urgency to find that one that's lost. Or the woman that had the 10 silver coins. And she lost one someplace. She's got nine. She ought to be happy she's got nine, but no, no, no. She's lost one. That one that she's lost becomes the priority. She gets out a lamp, gets out a broom, cleans the house from corner to corner, and doesn't stop until she finds that lost silver coin. It's that kind of urgency. It's the kind of urgency the father of the prodigal son felt when he looked down the road and saw his wayward son coming home again. He got up off the porch and he ran to him, threw his arms around him. He ran to him. This is urgent. I've got to get my son before he falls back again. Urgency. I believe this is a sense of urgency that God feels today. And that's why he's recruiting laborers. So the first part of the story I want us to see is the call. The second part I want us to see is the contract. In verse 2, it says that the landowner made an agreement with the people that he hired. Come work for me, I'll pay you a denarius. A denarius was a monetary amount that was worth about one day's pay for a, a, a common day laborer. A whole day's pay. You give me a fair day's work, I'll give you a fair day's pay. And they entered into an agreement. We could call that a contract. I believe this book is the contract we have with Jesus. Yes. If we'll be careful and don't just think it's, it's like a book in the library, this is written by the Holy Spirit yes. and interpreted by the Holy Spirit and the power of the Creator then speaks to us and gives us new life. And I hope we're getting new life from this story here. The contract. He agreed to pay them. That's a commitment. 
I believe God made a commitment to me when he sent his son Jesus to identify with me and pay for my sin when he went to the cross. If he makes a commitment to me, I think I owe him something. I think I ought to be making a commitment to this God that loves me that much to forgive my sin and send a spirit inside to empower me. The contract. Here's the third part of the story. It's the crew. He, the crew keeps changing because he keeps adding more people. The urgency builds. The urgency builds. And the people that have been there since the morning think they're a little better than the people who showed up at the end. But the landowner says, I value them all the same. Yes. Whether, they, whether they worked their whole life or whether they came into the kingdom in the 11th hour. Amen. I've known people who came in in the 11th hour. I remember some years ago we had an uh, older lady come, I'm not going to tell you her name. She, she sat right over in that section over there. And we gave, her, we gave people an opportunity to make a decision for Christ, and she raised her hand, said the sinner's prayer. And I talked with her after the service, and she said she'd gone to church most of her life, but she'd never heard the gospel that clear. She was 75 years old. Yeah. Within two years, she died and gone on to be with the Lord. Amen. That's coming in at the 11th hour. We've got to make a decision sooner or later. I would rather make it early so God's got a chance to develop me and work some things in me and work some things out of me. <laughs> the crew. You see, the harvest is dependent on the laborers. Yes. If we don't have laborers, the grapes begin to rot. <coughs> if there are not laborers in the kingdom of God... In America in the 21st century, the harvest will be lost. People who could be reached won't be reached because they haven't heard. So the landowner goes back to the marketplace where he finds more people. And he says, why are you here doing nothing? Now, I'm sure they would say, well, nothing. I'm doing something important. I'm doing something significant. But when you're the landowner and your proceeds are beginning to rot, sitting in the field drying out in the hot sun, that is the most important thing. You'll do anything to get laborers from just sitting around and talking and fellowshipping and chatting and get them out in the field where work can be done, where souls can come into the harvest because this is the 11th hour. There's only so much time left. Now there's excitement in the marketplace. If you've ever been to a marketplace in a third world country, you know it's an experience. The nearest thing to a third world country marketplace like they had in Jerusalem would be going to the flea market at Shipshawana. <laughs> there's plenty of things to find, but you can't find anything without wandering around because there's no organizational structure. People selling this kind of thing here and right next to them a whole nother kind of thing and then a whole nother kind of thing. And if you're like me and you go there and you want to go to the tool section, see what kind of tool you can't find the at, at Home Depot that they might have there. If you want to do that, there's several places, but you got to roam all over the place to get to them because there's no organization. 
in a third world marketplace, it's kind of like that. There's a lot of excitement. People want you to buy their products, so they got these flashy colors out and these banners blowing in the breeze, and they're offering you special deals, and you don't know what that thing's worth. Um, I mean, if you go to Walmart, you can look at the price on the box. You know what you're paying for, and they don't negotiate. But in a third world marketplace, you negotiate for everything. And they're always asking for more than it's worth. And you, as an outsider, you don't know what it's really worth in their currency, so you got to go uh, negotiate. What's, what's the word? Dicker. Barter. You got to come up with, a, with, with what's a fair deal. You're happy, they're happy, everybody's happy, then you, then, then you go. So the marketplace is exciting. There's always lots of people to meet, a lot of things happening. But the landlord, the landowner, he wants to get people out of the marketplace and into the field. And it's got to be now. So sometimes we have to leave the fun, the fellowship, the connections, the relationship side, and we've got to go work in the kingdom. It's not just about connecting with one another. It's about connecting with God and connecting with the lost. And we become the, the servants in the middle there. The fields are what's most important to God. If you want to know what's most important to God, that's it. The harvest. The lost that are about to slip into eternity the wrong direction. And we need to learn from what the Word says that if we are not somewhere involved in the harvest, He considers it doing nothing. Wait a minute, I work hard, I get a good paycheck, I give to the church. I'm doing something. Yeah, but are you sure that's touching souls? Come on. Is there something you could be doing to touch souls? Because those are the grapes in the field. Yes. That's what the Father values. So there we're looking at the crew. Number four, I want us to look at the cry. There's a cry going out here. He comes to the marketplace and he says, why are you idle? Why are you not working in the fields? Can't you see that there's vineyards all around and the grapes are in the harvest season and they're going to rot if they, don't, they rot if they don't get harvested? Why are you sitting here? Notice that's a question. Calls for an answer. Whether it's spoken or you just think it through, he's asking the why. In other words, what's your excuse? He's asking them. They said, well, no one's hired us. No one's hired us. I wonder if there's some people that would say, well, the reason I'm not working in the Lord's harvest is because no one's asked me. No one's asked me. If some, that, that implies if someone asked me, I would do it, right? I'm asking you this morning. If you're not involved in touching someone else's life, investing in their soul, that is what the field is. And he's telling us this is the 11th hour and we're going to lose souls if we don't get around our business because the harvest season's nearly over. We're running out of time. When the harvest season begins to come to an end, Cool breezes 
begin to blow. And anyone who's outside can sense, you know, the growing season is past and winter is coming. Cool breezes. I sense the cool breezes blowing in America today. There was a time, I, I came to the Lord during a revival in America known as the Jesus Movement. And there was a, a, an exciting time of churches building buildings to expand and, and uh, Christians coming together to buy Christian television stations and erecting these big towers to broadcast the good news of Jesus Christ to a lost world. Broadcasting message, the message of Christ right into their homes. It was an exciting time and, and a lot of people were coming to Christ. I'm looking at the world today. I'm looking at America, my country. And I see the breezes cool down. Where are the people looking for an opportunity to invest the tithe of what God has blessed them into ministry? Where are people looking, anticipating, investing so that the harvest could, could come in? The only people watching those Christian TV stations today are Christians. Oh, there's some non-Christians because the Christian TV stations have learned to stay alive. They've got to put the Lone Ranger and Walker, Texas Ranger on there. Those, those kind of things. Shoot them up, beat them up. Christian shows. <laughs> I sense a coolness to the gospel in mainline churches. We don't want to offend anybody. We want everybody to feel accepted. So I won't say anything to hurt your feelings. You don't say anything to hurt my feelings. We'll just come together and be a happy family. And we forget all about what hell is. And that the default position for human beings is an eternity in hell. Yes. But Jesus came to this earth to go to the cross and pay the price for my sins so I didn't have to go there. And pay the price for their sins so they don't have to go there. That's what the harvest is all about. We've got to get that good news out there. So there's an expectation in this story. The expectation is, if you're not working in your own harvest field, get involved in someone else's harvest field. Come work in my harvest field. And we might say, well, what's up with that? If you're the landowner and you're so concerned about the grapes, why don't you get out in your own field? Why are you spending all, all, the, all your time going to the marketplace trying to recruit workers to go out there? I think the answer is obvious. He wants to share the blessing. He wants to be generous. He wants to reward those faithful servants. God takes care of his people. He takes care of us that walk in that, in that walk of grace. So that brings us to number five the fifth part of the story, and that is the chosen. The chosen. Who were chosen? Everybody that the landlord can recruit is chosen. I mean, we get the impression he's not picky toward the end of the day. We get the impression he just wants any kind of manpower out there on, in the field getting the harvest in. 
He doesn't look and see how good looking we are. He doesn't look what our age bracket is to see if we were the, the hard working age bracket or not. He doesn't care about that. He doesn't care where we were born, what color our skin is. He's looking for laborers before the harvest rots. And it's the 11th hour, and there's urgency in the kingdom. The first workers started out the crack of dawn, first thing in the morning. They started out, and he made an agreement with them. I'm going to give you a denarius for a day's work. And they all said, sounds good to me, and off they went. In the middle of the day, he says, come and join the harvest. I'll pay you what's right. But in the 11th hour, he just says, go. He doesn't say what he's going to give them. He doesn't say what's going to happen if they don't go. He just says, go. It's urgency. He doesn't have time to explain. He doesn't have time to arrange the details. Just go. We'll take care of it all later. We, you and I, are 11th hour workers. We're in the last days. The Holy Spirit is about to empower people to be involved in this great harvest field. So he says, go. I'm reminded of a story. In the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 6, where there was a man by the name of Isaiah that had an encounter with God. When he, when he saw God, he was sitting on his throne in the temple. It was a vision. And he saw angels all around God. And when he saw God, he did not puff out his chest like he was some great one. He said, woe unto me, for I am undone. When you get a glimpse of God, when the Holy Spirit begins dealing with you, it's like Paul on the Damascus Road, laying flat on your back saying, Lord, who are you? I don't even know who you are. He said, I am a man. Depart from me, God. Depart from me, God, for I'm a man of unclean lips. Is there any of us in here that doesn't have unclean lips? And the angel heard that excuse and went over with a pair of tongs and picked a coal up off the altar in heaven, brought it over and touched it to his lips. Ow! That has to sting! God will purify us. But listen, church, it's going to sting. There's some pain involved. Because God's got to get that unclean lip thing out of us. It's not the lips that are the problem. It's what tells the lips to speak that's the problem. My heart has to change. And after that, after the sizzling and the smoking stopped from the hot coal... Isaiah says, here I am, send me, send me, make me a laborer, make me a worker in the harvest field, send me. This is the 11th hour church. We've got to say, Lord, send me. When he said, send me, he didn't say, uh, tell me what I'll be doing. He doesn't ask the Lord that. He just says, send me. 
Because God will probably have you doing something you don't want to do. Because we know that would take the power of the Spirit in us. I can't do that. God would have to do that. You want God to use you? You got to say, Lord, send me. Unconditional surrender. And watch what God can do through ordinary people like you and me in this world, in the last days. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, thank you for this story. Teaching us about the kingdom of heaven is urgency. No time to wait. Hurry up. Everybody involved. Because God, there are rotting souls. Father, as I, as I connect to my community, I see people whose, whose lives are a wreck bound up in drugs and alcohol, marriages failing, Father. I see people who are facing bankruptcy who will have no retirement when they get there. They have no hope for the future and no good relationships. Everything is painful around them. And Father, I want to see those people have the hope that comes through Jesus Christ, the hope that you gave to me, the hope that you gave to us that rearranged everything in our lives. So, Father, we want to be laborers. We want to be people who aren't silent bystanders. We want to be people who don't just sit in the marketplace. We want to be people who get engaged in the harvest. So, Father, work in us. Renew us. Show us what we need to do to be your people. While we have our heads bowed and our eyes are closed, because I don't want anybody looking around, this is a personal time between you and God. I want to ask, is there anyone here? And you can say, God, if you want to use me, if you can use me in a way that you haven't yet, use me. Would you raise your hand just to let God know this is your commitment? He made a commitment to you. He's going to reward you. He's going to be faithful to you. Thank you. Heavenly Father, you see these hands, people that are saying, I surrender, I'm willing, here am I, send me. And we ask, God, that you would work through each of us. Show us, God, uh, this next week, this next week, open a door, show us what you want us to do, show us the steps you want us to take, how you want us to prepare for the harvest, and who you want us to target in the harvest. Show us which cluster of grapes to go after, and we'll be careful to give you the glory. We're praying it in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's stand. It's the 11th hour. If you're not sure, just look around your neighborhood when you get home. It's the 11th hour. Cool breezes are blowing, but there's still a few sparks around. I want to be one of those sparks. Amen? I want you to be one of those sparks. Let your neighbors see something different in you. Good different. Not bad. Amen? We've got some prayer partners that will be up here to pray with you, so if you have a prayer need, feel free to bring it to them. Heavenly Father, dismiss us as we walk out of these doors into the harvest field. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Go with God. He loves you.